So before we begin this episode, I do want to give a warning. The following episode contains discussions of a mature nature, including but not limited to crimes and accusations against other of a horrible nature. I, I, I wrote that down terribly, just the redundancy of it. But continuing, <laughs> we here at Parlay Radio do not condone such behavior. Prior to researching this episode, we didn't really know the extent of it. Having said that, we do like to keep things PG, but with the incidents we will be discussing, listener discretion is advised. We don't want your children or families to be exposed to this if you don't want to either. Let's go ahead and parlay, gentlemen. Parlay. Chicken nugget? Did I put chicken nugget in there? I wish I did. Man, I want chicken nuggets now. Parlay? That's the one. Parlay. Parlay. Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm sorry. I mean, good day. Welcome to Parlay Radio, uh, <laughs> the podcast where we take the popular bands, artists, musicians of today and yesterday, talk about the hate that they have and see whether or not they actually deserve it. Gentlemen, discussions all around. Howdy there, Jay Bain. Um, and just so everyone knows, um, it's 16,500 light seconds to Pluto. I am John Coleman, and I am eating chicken nuggets today, and in honor of Jared Leto. And there goes John's webcam. (laughs) (laughs) And my name is Devin Hughes, and uh, I don't have chicken nuggets, but I do have a cat that looks like she ate a rotisserie chicken. That's impressive. I mean, she uh, she actually had her vet visit the other day. She was uh, 12.2 pounds, and she is not as tall or long as one of our other cats. So I have a dog that doesn't even weigh that much. What kind of dog? Uh, he's a rat terrier Dotson mix. Oh, okay. He's like right at 12 pounds. So Yeah. She, um, I mean, she was a thin little thing whenever we got her, and then she got comfortable and just started eating like crazy, so... And she doesn't exercise, so that kind of adds to it. But uh, we're working on it. You know, should be all right. Should be all right. Kitty aerobics. Pretty much. So for those who haven't listened before, Parlay Radio, we are a podcast. We take the bands that you love to hate, the Nickelbacks, the Miley Cyruses, the ones that have sold super duper amounts of records, and we break down numbers, lyrics, musical composition, and controversies and see whether or not they actually deserve that hate. Rather than go crazy with uh, an even longer introduction, we're going to jump right into it because this is already a crazy episode today. I'm going to let Jay go ahead and do the introduction since he is also doing the numbers and we're going to go ahead and take off. So Jay, whenever you're ready, bud. All right. So 30 seconds to Mars, uh, commonly stylized as three zero seconds to Mars. They're an American rock band from Los Angeles, California, formed in 1998. The band consists of brothers Jared Leto, lead vocals, guitar, bass, keyboards, and Jared Leto, uh, drums and percussions. Um, They've had about three to four other members throughout the entire time. Various other live band members that will play with them whenever they have their concerts. Uh, Let's get right down to the numbers. According to Universal Music Canada, 30 Seconds to Mars has sold over 15 million albums worldwide. Uh, The best-selling album by 30 Seconds to Mars is A Beautiful Lie, released in 2005. The sales of this album are four to five million albums sold. Now, I will say that there have been different numbers that I've found all over the internet. So whether this is true or not, we'll discuss a little bit later on. Their album, This Is War, released in 2009, uh, has sales of 1.2 to 4 million. Again, different numbers everywhere. Hmm. Maybe a conspiracy. Uh, Love, Lust, Faith, and Dreams, released in 2013, has sales of 219,500 to 400,000. Hmm. Very inconsistent. Maybe we've got a conspiracy. Maybe. Who knows? Could the inconsistent numbers possibly be a beautiful lie? (laughs) I get the pun. Oh, it's punny. Uh, Quite punny. I'm going to elaborate on that, too. Um, I looked at RIAA for the numbers on 30 Seconds to Mars because I was curious, since you mentioned it, 
there's only 2.5 million recorded sold in America. Wikipedia had 15. No, Wikipedia had 10. And uh, the bestsellingalbums.org website that we use had 15. So I'm thinking maybe those numbers are a little exaggerated or people are just, I don't know, black market selling 30 Seconds to Mars albums. And then Canada's just like, oh, yeah, we'll record it. Maybe the Joker has something to do with it. No. You know, there has to be Joker references just splattered all throughout this. Well, the joke's on you, my friend. Uh, continuing with some of the numbers, uh, Spotify, they have 5.8 million monthly listeners. Uh, their highest stream songs are The Kill from A Beautiful Lie with 398 million streams. Uh, this is War from the album. This is War. 173 million streams. And Kings and Queens, also from This Is War, for 142 million streams. Award-wise, no Grammys, no major awards, except for the one that really matters, MTV VMA Awards. Yay! Uh, They've been nominated 13 times for the MTV VMAs, and they've received three. You know, I hear the gift baskets are worth like 30 grand. Really? No joke. Yeah, I mean, I'd much, I'd much rather have the uh, the movie award because it's the popcorn, man. It's so much better. Yeah, I like the, the raspberry because it's a big golden raspberry. Yeah, but you just be tempted to eat both of them, no matter what, popcorn or raspberry, the entire time. So it's like, I wonder what a golden popcorn bucket tastes like, and then you find oh. out it tastes like blood and copper because it, you just can't chew it and it hurts. Eat salt. It does butter, need maybe. salt. I mean, I guess you could lick the top, you know, it's just kind of, that's about all you could do. Just put the butter on and some salt and then just ah, top of a golden popcorn bucket. I don't know if that would be okay. It just looks like caramel corn, honestly. Yeah. I like caramel corn. Uh, that's also good too. So I get it. Um, yeah. So the numbers, it, it's very strange because RIAA is literally the recording industry of america I, I know that's not the actual like terminology behind it but they are the recording artists of america and they record the actual sales numbers of u.s sales so for it to only have 2.5 million reported and yet we have all these 15 million dollar or not 15 million but 15 million sales worldwide we have to take into account another 12.5 and canada doesn't sell that much and i doubt england does either so that's where i'm dreadfully confused with the whole thing well the other crazy thing with it too is you know this is war like i said one place it was showing 4 million sold and if you would really think about the numbers that it would sell in america it would have at least sold a million in the us and a beautiful eye is the only album that they have that's gone platinum in the us so Platinum implies that they've sold over a million copies, and if they've only had one, then that already tells us that nothing else is going to sell that high. A few gold so, albums, but yeah, just one platinum. Yeah, but gold could also be 100,000. It doesn't even have to be half a million. That's where it's even more strange with the whole thing. It also kind of tacks on to something we'll talk about in a little bit when we get to controversies about erasing and repurposing online numbers and stories. There's a lot to unpack with it. Also, I forgot to mention uh, this week's sponsor as well, uh, Survivor Series Jewelry. There is a reason that Survivor Series Jewelry is actually our sponsor this week. Survivor Series Jewelry is handcrafted, handmade jewelry, and 100% of the proceeds go to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence and RAIN. So it's actually a really great cause. You can check them out on Facebook. They do have an eBay store, I believe an Etsy store as well. I could be wrong on that. We'll correct that if need be, but they are available on eBay. Check them out on Facebook, Survivor Series Jewelry. Um, we are all male feminists here. And again, it's going to allude more into controversies once we get down to that. And I, I did not pick this as a sponsor. Ironically, I honestly wanted to feature them. And then stories came up and now I'm even more concerned about why I put this on the show. But I'm leaving it in because <laughs> I made choices and I want to support the small businesses. So I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm laughing because I'm nervous. We're going to hop on to lyrics because numbers will be referenced again. And Jay has some uh, insight on that. 
I have some insight as well, and we'll pop that up in a little bit. But lyrics, John, what do you have for us, good sir? Well, I have three songs I've handpicked out of here. I tried to do a good spread because this is a rather older band, or and shouldn't I shouldn't say older. This is a bunch, a bit more of a band of uh, my generation, you old fogies. So I tried to do a good spread of them. You know, their two top albums and their most recent album. I'll try to pick one song from. Their two most popular albums and one from their most recent album. So we'll start with easily one of the most recognizable songs, Kings and Queens, which came out in 2009. So when you go to the Kings and Queens song here, which came out in 2009, like I said, it has a really good intro. Into the night, desperate and broken, the sound of a fight, father has spoken. And then, you know, there's that pause there in the song, and then it goes, we were the kings and queens of promise. We were the victims of ourselves, maybe the children of a lesser god between heaven and hell, heaven and hell. It's uh, uh, like a, a spiritual it's pretty entry. much the start of the song. Yeah, it's very spiritual. The lyrics are very well written. You know, you could tell that this wasn't just a, you know, going back last week's episode of Miley Cyrus. The lyrics are a bit more in depth. There's more going on here than, you know, doing lines in the bathroom, you know? I wouldn't Look, say. A party in the USA. <laughs> I wouldn't say depth. As much as leaving to your own interpretation. So it can be deeper than you you expect it, or it can be just vague and terrible simultaneously. Pretentious to be pretentious. And that is definitely the image of the band, though. Is it the band? The image is very pretentious. Is it the band? band, We probably mean Jared Leto and his brother. Well, considering the band is literally one half Jared Leto. And his other half, Shannon Leto. That's true. And the song is written by... Jared Leto. Honestly, every one of their songs is. You know what it kind of reminds me of? The band itself, like a newer U2. They try to have that ethereal music where it's almost like designed for arenas. And the guitar parts are actually fairly simple when you hear it. It's just the melodic nature of the guitar kind of encompasses like that arena like U2 would with, uh, let's say, like the Joshua Tree. Now, I'm not comparing anything 30 Seconds to Mars has done to the Joshua Tree. That's a great album. Easily top 100 for anybody argue with me i don't care but it is a fantastic album and i think they tried to embody that a lot however the ego portion between jared leto and bono are two different levels both egotistical Mm, both egotistical different types of egotistical if uh i know the our listeners won't be able to see i sent a link to the picture from while they were touring during this time period and this little like staged photo up here with Jared Leto and Shannon Leto. I'm assuming that's uh, Malakik, who just recently left the band, actually, I believe. You can just see, like, <laughs> their image is rather pretentious. Oh, the leather. The amount of cows that had to die for that leather picture. For sure. That was, uh, you know, then we'll move to, to The Kill, which was a, I believe that was a 2006 song. Let me look at this real quick. The Kill, Bury Me, 2006, which is one of their more older, but you know, this is also another very popular song from them. My question with that photo, and I, I'll post it on our Instagram page and Facebook. Why did they look angry? It just looks it so angry 2000s. in the photo. It's like, hey, we're going to success. Just don't be so serious. It's 2009, so this is post, you know, housing market collapse. You know, we got the height of the Afghanistan-Iraq war, you know, George Bush. No, wait, that's Barack, right? 2009. Yeah. Well, um, uh, yeah, so 2009, the, yeah. So, I mean... Big yeah. turning point in American culture there. Pop punk is the all the rage. I mean, I guess I could see that. 30 Seconds to Mars being uh, the answer to the housing crisis. I definitely could see that. That was probably their, their image that they're going for there. Post-housing crisis emo. Got it. Actually, you know, going back because, you know, I have to take this back to Nickelback. I think that was just the image back then in 2008, 2009. Because here's Nickelback, all leather. And they're wearing sunglasses inside jay weren't we actively playing shows at this time yes we were what did we miss the memo remember wearing leather i never wore leather playing shows now after that's a whole nother story i'm trying to go figure out what's going on with the frosted tips in this 2009 nickelback image actually but i mean you know what they look happy like that's what i mean you know like Chad smiling, the guitarist is smiling. I think that's the drummer on the left and the bassist on the right, who I think was caught like mid sneeze. But they look that happy. Could, you know, that could be the difference between America in 2008 and Canada in 2008. 
they were happy. They might not have had the same kind of housing crisis. It does make sense. But Canada was probably wearing a lot more denim than leather. Oh, they were. They were wearing denim and leather in this one for Nickelback. That's impressive. They had denim pants. 30 Seconds to Mars was wearing leather pants. We have gone so far off track. (laughs) All right, let's go back to uh, the song lyrics here. What if I wanted to break, laugh it all off? Oh, for the love of God, please do not sing this. Do what if I fell to the floor, couldn't take all this anymore? What would you do, do, do? Come break me down, bury me, bury me. I am finished with you. (laughs) What if I wanted to fight, beg for the rest of my life? What? would you do you say you (laughs) wanted more what are you waiting for i'm not running from you (laughs) come on like this is classic everybody's heard this song at least a million times in their life that singing was the worst singing i've heard in my life john next time you're home we're going to karaoke I think but you would you gotten have gotten kicked off stage of American Idol. I may be the worst singer you've heard, but you have heard of me. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. like, it, it's, it's, you know, the actual musical adaption of the album release, the radio edits or whatever you want to call it have all, you know, there's it's definitely a lot more polished than, you know, my karaoke here. No, but, um, no, it's perfect. Oh, thank you. There's layers to the song. There's the words are better. They're, they're high quality words, big words, the greatest words, the biggest words. I'm trying to think of what key that song is in, because I know from yesterday from the same album was written in E minor, which is not an easy key to write a song in. So clearly, as far as the composition is concerned with the guys, they do have the ability to do something a little bit more complex, which I think is impressive. Granted, there's that... a level of talent involved in this that is yeah. beyond some of our earlier uh, artists who've done so far. I would agree with that. Uh, you but know, they have a lot of touring artists, so you know, recording in sure. the studio, you can have as much layering as you want. If you're playing live, even though they're a three piece band, they may have four or five guys that are on stage. So, they having seen them live. And having actually been recorded live by 30 Seconds of March for one of their more recent songs, I didn't pick that one as my next as the final song. But I will tell you, I was live or as they're in the person with them where they're recording uh, background lyrics for uh, their chorus parts for for uh, Walk on Water, which is part of the 2018 album America. It's part of that song, you know, you know, mixed in with the thousands of other people, you know, singing their chorus for Jared Leto live. It There is... A level of showmanship, which I I feel like Jared Leto might be one of the few current artists currently traveling, touring and performing shows that can really get any crowd going. I mean, he has a level of cult like personality around him, you know, CM Punk reference right there. Sorry. You have never been to a Dropkick Murphy show, if that's what you think. I am from New England and I don't need to. I feel offended now. Totally completely offended. Can we replace John? Jockey Murphy's. I was gonna say Seven Dust, but okay. That's Mark, dude. That's a that's a good band live, honestly. Seven Dust is a band that no one likes to follow ever. Um, Doesn't Dropkick Murphy's only play for one month out of the year, and that's all they need to, though, right? During. Well, I mean, if you want to talk about like showmanship on stage and getting the crowd work and trying to exert your energy to kind of push it on the crowd to get them worked up and hype, go to a Seven Dust show. Hands down, best live band I've ever seen. Hands down. I mean, comparing like metal level bands to... I'm comparing them to everyone. To Mars. I'm comparing them to everyone. I mean, if you're just going to go for the best show ever in live, that's that's Muse and, you know, Michael Jackson. Muse perform with Michael Jackson? I'm confused now. <laughs> no, I'm saying like for like bands live, you know, Michael Jackson, like he's easily one of the greatest performers to ever see live. True. True. Or I, I'll, like, what's I'll get his name? Uh, uh, Prince. Chris Angel. Chris Angel is a live, a great live show. Mind Freak. Who's that? Postmodern Jukebox. That's a great show live. Yeah. But in terms of like showman, you, you're basically alluding that Jared Leto currently is probably one of the better showmen on stage to go see. Outside currently. of, currently. Uh, you know, yeah, currently outside of maybe like metal bands, metal bands just have a better knack of getting people, audiences going. I, 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 I More energy in the music. Pop bands don't have that issue, have much more issues with it whatever genre 30 seconds to mars claims to be a part of i would also argue 
We'll just say alternative rock for the sake of the show, because I, I don't want to say any sort of argument about metal rock, etc. Alternative, yeah, leave exactly. it kind yeah, of vague true. with that. Hot topic rock. Hot. <laughs> uh, I can't argue with that. Wait, wait, wait. Hot topic, late 90s, early 2000s, or hot topic currently? Hot topic, late 2000s. Okay. I'll take that. Vampire Kids Hot Topic. Yeah, because Hot Topic now is more like uh, the Strokes, Death Cab for Cutie type stuff. Very more, much more indie than it is gothic. Ooh, more the Struts. Than anything. The Struts is a different, definitely a Hot Topic band. I mean, I remember walking into Hot Topic as a you know young teenager, and they're playing like Slipknot and Kitty, and all you hear is <laughs> like right at the opening. Oh, they got uh, they got Baby Metal in there. Baby Metal is a pretty popular uh, Hot Topic band. I love, I, I love it. Metal is so much fun. They That's are fun. And right there, they can control a stage. They're they're definitely a lot Again, of fun. Metal band, metal band has got more energy. That's true. Ghost, whether or not you like them as a metal band or not, that's a phenomenal live band. They're pretty entertaining. I'm not big on music. I uh, there refuse are bands to you want to see live, even band. if you don't like them. I refuse you to acknowledge like them. them. I'm I'm I understand, but their stage presence and their personality and their persona can't beat it. Wait, so like we're you talking about Ghost or 30 Seconds oh, to Mars? Ghost. See, here's where my question comes into mind. Does stage presence and personality on stage come from the popularity of your music or the performance of the artist? I feel like they definitely, there's a correlation. Because, I mean, I obviously... direct, like, one-for-one one correlation. Like, both have to go up. Right. I don't think that's fair. Uh, because, you know, there's some bands that have a lot of personality but don't have really great talent. But in this one, Jared Leto definitely has over the top personality and like presence. His music's not like you just look at the sales. We went over it. They have great streaming numbers, but they don't have they have actually some of the best streaming numbers out of the bands we've looked at so far. But like their sales aren't through the roof at most. If we go for the highest numbers we got here, you got five, four. You're looking at almost 11 million sale album sales. That doesn't even crack like top 200 bands that's true no but they were also coming out in that era where music sales were starting to go down and streaming sales were starting to go a lot higher up so yeah. you know, you get a little bit of change in that yeah but Miley Cyrus has more streamings more streams more sales more platinum records I, I feel I, that's I don't think that's a fair comparison comparing Miley Cyrus slash Hannah Montana to 30 seconds to Mars. They are more, ta I would say they're more lyrically talented. They have, but they're definitely not the same level as, you know, sale wise. But the personality of Jared Leto keeps them going. I mean, we're looking, we're almost 20 years later. Their their, the 30 seconds to Mars EP came out in what, 2002? I think so. I mean, the band formed in 98. So a, a record wouldn't have been so far behind from that as far as release. Yeah. yeah. 30 seconds so like, to yeah, Mars. Yeah, 20 year old. Was was uh 2002 yeah so we're at a, we're a 20 year band from a dude who was born in probably the late 70s uh, 1971 and he's actually 51 this year that man is 51 years old it's amazing right and he still dresses like a 17 year old is he drinking yep. baby's blood uh well no not drinking it uh we're gonna Wait a second. <laughs> do we need to do another warning now? Do we need to admit a mid podcast warning? For let's not come next. Let's not have to put political warnings on this too. No, no. Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna, no. In, 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 uh, <laughs> that is our settle down, settle down. <laughs> um, is this gonna be some Diablo two first act? You know, boss fight against Andariel here. I I'm sorry, I never was a Diablo fan. That uh, oh just it wasn't wasn't my first game. ghost. Wasn't my game. First ghost now Diablo. I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> sit down, sit down. Get the rest of your chicken nuggets. Bring my chicken nuggets with me. No, he is he is 51 this year. Something's in the water. I I guess some people take care of themselves. You know, Rob Lowe's in his late fifties. He does appear to be older, but he looks fantastic. So obviously it's either taking care of yourself a lot or living in LA and having a lot of plastic surgery. It's one or the other. 
Maybe something well, in between. I mean, I, I mean you, you just look at this dude's band, right? And his album sales are definitely not as high as I expected at all going into the podcast. Like, I was shocked by how low those were. I was expecting at least a double. But then, you know, you go through, like, his life and, you know, between his movies and TV shows and now, and you know, balancing that with a touring business with his brother. Like, I'm sure it was not easy. I have a sister. And if she were musically inclined, I mean, she doesn't play anything, but if she were musically inclined and we tried to do any form of a band or anything together, I love her to death. I know she loves me too. We would try to kill each other at some point. She's a wonderful human being and has a great family, but I know spending that much time with her will drive us both nuts easily. And this is not me speaking ill of my sister or her family. I just know how we are together. I know exactly how we are together after long periods of time. I think that's fair. Yeah, Jay, that I think you and your sister would be band. kind of the same thing, you know? Oh, we strangle each other no matter what, even just, you know, yeah. hanging out during Christmas. But, you know, Devin, I mean, you, you and I both have experience with spending a lot of time with a band. And when you spend that much time with anybody, honestly, combined spaces, you know, up in strange hours, writing music, doing everything, playing and the stress of everything, it, it does tend to wear a relationship out no matter what it is. The fact that the two of them have actually been able to continually do this for almost 20 years, it's extremely impressive. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, having been in a band with five other people, uh, six occasionally, seven at one point, it is really tough to try to handle a ton of personalities together, nonetheless, just two that are already closely knit. So I, I'm not going to mention names. Um, the former drummer of the band that I was formerly in and I have been friends since we were eight. Same length of time that I've known you. Um, we play well together. Uh, when we see each other, we're happy to see each other. We engage in conversation. There were several times where we wanted to beat the crap out of each other. Several. Uh, sometimes there were small incidents. Sometimes they lasted a year. Have we gotten over that? Yes, we're adults. We're mature. But part of that was also spending a lot of time with each other because we would just get it on each other's nerves. And be like, you know, we play four shows in a row. It's like, all right, we can't talk to each other for two weeks. Because <laughs> if we do, it's it's going to go bad. So, you know, that that was the nice part to us having an understanding after a certain point. But also, we were a lot younger. We were in our early 20s. So, I mean, at that point, everybody has an ego anyway. Because you're just trying to figure yourself out. Jared's now in his 50s. And I, I, I assume his brother is, you know, close in age. I don't assume his brother's well, 20 years younger than him, but Why not real quick, you know, it, it could He's be something older. where it's a maturity standpoint there too, where they are older, you know, they do their show, they do their practices, but they take their distance apart. So that way they, that way they can actually stand one another after a little bit. It could be something like that too. So I don't know. It, it, it could also be the fact that they make a lot of money and money makes everybody happy. It does. Whenever somebody tells you money can't buy you happiness, they're lying. They are they lying. Have never been broke. Money will buy you oh. insanity, though. Lots of I insanity. What'd you figure out, John? Jared Leto and his brother are look phenomenal for fifty and fifty-two years old because they're vegans, and they've been oh. vegan since the early two thousands. Oh, blame it on the vegans. Just give them all the credit. I see how it is. If you are a vegan out there, we do not mean to offend you. Bacon, 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 bacon. Stop it. Stop it. Taking a turn about Jared Leto and his brother. Um, <clears throat> hit him with it. Hit him with it. Controversies. I'm going to start off with Shannon. because Shannon Sharp? Shannon Leto. Oh. Shannon only has one controversy, and it's not even that bad. Um, Shannon got a DUI. That's it. How dare he? That's it. Oh, no. Oh, so <laughs> but, horrible. You know, this, you can't like this band just for that exact reason. Sorry. No, can't condone it. I'm, uh, I'm out. I'm checking out. I just wanted to get that one out of the way because, uh, uh, and, and here's the thing. And I'm going to combine the, the Lido brothers for a couple of these things. 
Uh, specifically, they have a cult. What? A cult. Um, a cult of Hot Topic kids? They actually have a, a gathering. I don't know if it's annual or biannual or, or, or not, but they bring fans to a Croatian island retreat. They depict no. a worship temple and no. uh, call them summer camps. The fans are referred to as the Echelon, and Jared comes out in what can only really be described as uh, long woven robes similar to Jesus Christ. What? And they worship Explain him. Explain the long hair and beard. Yeah. Um, and it gets worse from there. That's not even the worst part. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, on top of that, it's it's a private gathering now. They jokingly called it a cult in their speeches. But when you actually see photographs from the events, it, it's a cult. There, There's not even a, a second guess about it. It is a cult. Additionally, on top of that, with the retreats, uh, Leto has held competitions. They started in 2015, by the way. He has held competitions in the past where the <laughs> winner would get to sleep in his bed. There is no word on whether or not he would be present in said bed. I don't like to assume, but then there's other stuff <laughs> that has been tacked onto this. Uh, he is also one of the Me Too movement people that has been accused of uh, sexual harassment, as well as potential assault. He has been accused of hitting on underage women. Now, this one was kind of weird because generally you can find the stories really easily. But the only things that I could find when it came to Me Too were stuff from like gossip websites and somebody stating, I, I think it was 2018 or 2019, James Gunn tweeted about him hitting on underage women. And so Twitter, that tweet basically started off all the gossip columns about different stories of Jared hitting on underage women. However, nobody's come forward as far as we know. That's where it's a little hard because everything that I tried to find about this, it looks like it's either been buried or taken off of websites. And the only place it's up is gossip because it is more, you know, maybe as opposed to yes or no. So... Oh my gosh. That's that's where it's really weird. There's a couple things he's of course a total jerk to his fans. During a concert, he pointed at this was in Brazil. I believe uh there was a Brazilian concert attendee who didn't know the lyrics to one of the songs, so he pointed her out in the crowd, flicked her off and made fun of her on stage because that's what you do in front of thousands of people is you make fun of the one person you see who's not singing the words. Great job. A fan came up to him at one point, said he had a great show, asked for his autograph. He told them to F off because that's what you do. He was caught criticizing Taylor Swift in a video stating F her. I don't give an F about her. And then sued TMZ for the release of the video stating it was copyright infringement and the videographer wasn't the rightful owner. He lost the lawsuit and he did a public apology. And I did I did cover that. You know, most of the stories are allegations, but there was one that came up where he tried to encourage a female fan to give him and a 17 year old friend 17 fellatio. So I'm not thinking he's a good guy. Just I'm just not, you know, something tells me it's just just not not kosher, not kosher. And then on top of that. The one thing that we were talking about at the beginning episode is the numbers. RIAA has 2.5 million. Now that's stateside. It is strictly stateside. Several other websites will say 10 million and 15 million. Nothing is consistent. Now we do know for a fact they've sold over a million albums. We know that for a fact. So they do qualify to be on this list. But having said everything that I said with the controversies, I'm gonna pay, I'm gonna take an executive stamp down here. And say they do not deserve defense. Anyone disagree with me on this? So I just want to say. I'm just mind blown at all of this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I honestly think a lot of the hidden stuff when it comes to all of the allegations, the strange numbers, it's got to be the movie studio, honestly. 
Like they've got to be trying to cover it up to make him look better in order to sell their movies, in order to help them sell their albums. Because the more albums he sells, the more movies they're, they're going to be able to sell with him because, oh, he's a big rock star and a musician. He's such a great guy. Let's do it. But that's not what this guy is. And honestly, you know, a lot of people, you can kind of separate the music and the person. Like we said earlier, Jared Leto is literally half of the band. So the band is almost completely a reflection of him. And there is nothing that you can do to really separate the music and the person that he actually is. I mean, a lot of the lyrics, a lot of the music, it, it's kind of shallow, kind of hollow. It doesn't have a lot that's really going for it. Yeah, okay, it sounds kind of cool. It's really vague. Yeah, guess what? Half of the music out there that people think is great really isn't that good. You know, it's just a bunch of thrown together stuff to make people think, oh, I'm better than you. I'm smarter than you. So you should appreciate everything I do because you know what? I know big words. I know how to say stuff that you wouldn't even understand. That doesn't make a great band. And honestly, that coupled with everything he's done. No, nah, this this band's done in my book. John, do you want to add anything? I, you know, does definitely seem real shady and dirty, but it's too clean still like there isn't like any like mind-blowing to me like there's a lot of allegations a lot of things but very little of it's founded you know like i'm not if you told me any all of this was real and this was a legit cult like brainwashing you know like ancestral type crap you know like kind of like that 50s california vibe i'd believe it but like part of me also wants to say this is just really good marketing it here's the thing when someone is convicted of a crime that is against another person we've already made an agreement between all of us so we're not going to defend that when accusations come up we also said we're not going to defend that and the reason i think it's hard to find is probably ndas more than likely because they could easily have been fans that came backstage and got passes and looked, you know, whatever level of attractiveness to Jared that seemed worthy enough for him to do things. So it could have easily been something along those lines. And basically he's like, all right, we're going to go back here, sign this first, and then we'll go do whatever or sign it after. However, NDAs work. I, I really don't know. I've sure. only signed one. Uh, <laughs> uh, for sure, but I, I'm trying to stay away from the whole sexual assault thing because I really don't want to get my foot into that. I don't want to put my foot in the mouth on that. It, like, for sure. So we're just gonna leave that. I'm focusing in on the whole cult thing. See, here's Whether the other thing that, like, too. Although we say Jared Leto, Shannon was there too. Exactly. So that that's yeah. why I'm like, is this like a legit cult? Like culty cult, like hey, we're gonna uh, go co- drink the Kool Aid together type cult, or it is this could like very be them? the beginnings of it, and that's the other or thing is, too. Yeah, or is this just them embracing their image of what their fan bases truly just think? Because having just looked through it a little bit of myself, it, it seems like there are, they had merchandise and stuff going back. Like this is the cult of 30 seconds to Mars going back to the early two thousands at the start of their band with merchandise. So is it their studio and record label just trying to like, Hey, you know, angry parents back in the early two thousands said, Hey, 30 seconds to Mars is a cult band. And you know, don't listen to them little Johnny. And then they just embraced it and said, Hey, we're a cult. And then it just went to this thing like, Hey, we're going to do a super private festival for, you know, 50,000 to 100,000 of our most devout fans with cameras and videos and everything there on the island. So there's a tout with narcissism that is very, very different from anyone else's just, I would say, a standard ego. With a narcissist, if you praise them in any capacity for the behaviors that they exhibit, the... I don't want to say falsehood of their ego that they present, but basically the image of their ego that they present can easily grow. We're not going to talk politics, but we've seen this, and we've seen this many, many times. 
Uh, not just recently, we saw it historically. I am not comparing Jared Leto to the his- historical figure, but it is very similar to their Hitler. Yeah, I'm just going to say it because Hitler could have easily just been an ex-art student who spoke up a little bit and a couple friends liked it and everybody else thought he was nonsensical. But when anybody can follow into that belief, you then get a little bit more radicalized with how it's presented because not only are you basically just trying to tout yourself, yourself, you're now starting to believe your own hype. And that's narcissism in a nutshell. Now, in the beginnings of a band where you call your fans cultists or part of the cult of 30 Seconds to Mars, yeah, you can kind of do that as a joke. But then when you take it to a point where you actually get a private island and a worship temple and come out in robes similar to an existing deity that is part of one of the (laughs) biggest religious movements ever, that's too far. That is way too far. That is that is a narcissism sphere that maybe started as the size of a golf ball, but now is the size of the Epcot sphere at Disney World. So that's where I say he's a horrible human being. I'm not going to town anybody with narcissism like that. I'm not going to speak. I'm not going to speak in any nice nature about somebody like that because Right now, us even speaking about him is touting his ego. The best thing you can do with a narcissist is completely ignore them. Because then they can't believe the hype if nobody else does. That being said, even if it's just like an alleged cult situation where it is fans just coming to flock to see their favorite band, the way they present it is way too far. It's definitely presented far, but... I don't know. Uh, I'm not on board with the cult thing. You could you could sell me on it, but I'm just like on the fence. I just feel like he doesn't have enough time to run a cult. I feel like it's all orchestrated by his <laughs> marketing campaign and his studio. He doesn't he have does enough money. time to run a cult. Between when you've got money, it's you a can lot of pay people to run it. Yeah. Oh, but you can't. You can't have pay. You're not paying somebody to run a cult if you're the f- f- messiah. Sure you are. Like, come on. Sure you are. That's how he they just, run, he's man. He's too narcissistic to let somebody else do it. Like he's, if he if he's truly being like ego stroking from running this cult and being worshipped as this messiah type personality, right? He's not gonna let somebody else do it. Maybe his brother. Maybe no. You can easily get an but assistant like you or a manager that you hire. I mean, if you're worth, there's no like Adolf Hitler didn't let anybody else run his regime. Sure, he did. He had generals. He had generals in the yeah, SS. The generals weren't in charge of it. The generals weren't in charge of running the machine. They're enforcing the machine. Let's let's get that clear. Okay, let's go something a little more like Manson. Because that's Manson, honestly sure. what it's a little more. It's it's a it's a bigger version of of the Manson family from the sounds of it. Honestly, it's just without the murder. Yep. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is yep. like there's like I mean. I, I could see it. Like, this dude just did three giant movies in two years. Like, how all over the world, filming all over the world. And he's a method actor. Like, this dude is a super, like, involved actor. Like, so, see, I didn't even know, bring I, up I, the stuff with the method acting because that's a different category altogether. He's still an actor with that. I'm going to censor myself on this. Big okay. Actor Here, here's the curse ridden a... diatribe that I'm going to censor. He's a fing asshole. He's a fing asshole. He's a f- asshole, okay? He is the biggest asshole on the planet in rock and roll. You cannot compare him and say but to anything that he does because literally everything is to tout his own ego. Everything that is he, he does, really a bigger asshole than Madonna? What's up? Have you heard about... Is he like, really a bigger asshole than Madonna? Have he's an asshole to everybody. He did, what but he is he did bigger on, than on Madonna? Set, on set of uh, Suicide Squad. So he actually had a package delivered to Margot Robbie and I believe a couple of the other actors in the movie as well with human feces in the and box dead animals and dead animals to each of his co-stars because he was the Joker. He was crazy. No, he just wanted to try and be bigger and better than Heath Ledger at a role that honestly he was nowhere near fit enough to even touch. 
It was so bad. It was just so, so bad. bad. I'm so glad they right. cut down the roll to 10. I'm going to end cut it out totally, but the suicide squad thing. He was a bad Joker, but he only had five minutes of screen time on it. He should he have had, had zero. <laughs> they had, they recorded, they filmed so much of him in that role. They cut it all out. They tried their hardest to sell that movie on him just being Joker. And he dropped that ball quicker than you could say, why so serious? I would say they tried to sell the movie more on Margot Robbie in tight shorts than that doesn't need to that that doesn't need to be sold. It sells itself. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's like, I'm sorry, but like I'm just gonna stick by this. No matter you could put anybody in the suit in the Joker role for the first film or show live action appearance of the Joker after Heath Ledger, and nobody would like it. You could say that you would love XYZ actor in it. But there would have been a huge backlash against whoever it was in it. I'm not saying he did a good job. I think he did a bad job in that movie. No, I, I agree also with don't, you. I just want to say culturally, no one would have been accepted as the next Joker. I, I agree with that in because fact, it was such a big Phoenix is role. the ne- is the third Joker and people like him because they already had a such a bad taste for Jared Leto. So, John, you're a little younger, so I don't think you remember when the first Batman movie came out. Honestly, the I'm one with the, almost uh, too young. Arnold Schwarzenegger? Jack. No, 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 Keaton. no. That was the best one. Keaton. I know and you're just being a trolling who, jerk right now, but still. Yeah, I know. So who played Joker in that one, if you uh, are so up on this, John? Mark Hamill? Jack Nicholson. Oh, yeah, I forgot about Jack Nicholson. He was the first Joker on film in the modern era. And his portrayal was perfect. It was amazing. It was it was funny. It was scary. It was everything that you would want it to be. And when Heath Ledger came along, and you were still a little young on this, buddy. It's okay, Buckaroo. You'll eventually get there. <laughs> but when Ledger came along and they announced him as playing, you know, as, as playing Joker, everyone thought it was going to be horrible. It's going to be terrible yeah. because all oh, this, the, he's, he's just some little kid. He doesn't know anything. He was in what a knight's tale. Uh, he, he terrible actor. He came in and he crushed the role. The no same one thing had an expectation. When, no, no one. the expectations were so low that he just went above and beyond anything. Now, when Jared Leto came in and, Everyone was already like, well, no, we're, we're not going to give you this. You're, you're not going to be able to do this. The same expectations were set for him that were set for Ledger. All he had to do was just hit a single and it would have been, okay, yeah, that was good. Nobody, nobody says that role was good ever. Well, that's why I'm saying is the bar was set too high. It was set no, exponentially no. high. I don't Ledger think. Ledger was the top like he's still regarded as the best villain portrayal in movie history is Heath Ledger's Joker. You're trying to tell me the number one villain of all time with one of the highest grossing superhero films of all time with what 15 Oscar nominations and won 15 Oscars for one movie that literally single-handedly created an entire DC universe film. Pause. Heath Put a Ledger. pause on it. Put a pause on it. Let me elaborate a little bit off of both your points. Ledger took his own spin with the Joker. I also feel like Chris Nolan's writing had something to do with that. The Nolan brothers had a great deal to do with the character development because you cannot have a good character without a good script. True. The Dark Knight was a great script. The Dark Knight the Dark Knight is one of I I I'm not going to say perfect superhero movie, but it is it is just a very close. One of the closest things we've ever long, had. too long, but it was great. Shut up, Jay. <laughs> it's like five hours long. It's Jeez, two and a half. Lord Shut up. The Rings is the only Shut thing up. longer. Was Avengers Endgame too long? No. That's different. Long that was, that like was even longer. So Shut up. Making. But I digress. <laughs> the thing is, is that when you have 70 years worth of source material that you can base your character on, plus a good script, you can develop your own take on the character. Joaquin Phoenix did that, and I believe that Todd. it was Todd Phillips, right, who wrote and directed the movie? Okay. Todd Phillips also took that and made a good script out of it so Joaquin could say, okay, I have my source material, and now I have a script. So I can look at the source material, I can look at the insanity of the character, and I can develop my own way of going about it with the script that is handed to me. So 
I think Joaquin Phoenix did a great job. Did I do I really think he deserved the Oscar on it? Maybe not, but he still did a fantastic job. I'll leave it at that. What Leto did was ignore the source material. And he had a bad script. It's a very bad script. It was a terrible a movie. Bad director. Is a terrible movie. Is a totally terrible movie. Any any terrible. DC fans out there that are like, oh yeah, Suicide Squad, that was that was actually okay. No, it wasn't. Okay, you want to like it because it's DC, but it is crap. It is utter crap. I remember going to see that with Darby, one of my best friends. Shout out to Darby. And anytime we go to see a movie together, we always go see like any of the, the superhero films, comic book related movies. We'll leave. We'll talk about it a little bit. Normally we say really nice things about the movie, some great spots in the movie. I had nothing. Nothing for Suicide Squad. It was god-awful. Bad special effects, bad acting, bad writing, terrible character development. The only good thing that came out of that movie was Margot Robbie. That's it. And that's just because Margot Robbie is a great actress. I think Jared Leto is a great actor. I just think he's stupid and insane. And the way that he took that character, made it some horrible amalgamation where we just slapped tattoos all over the Joker and said, guess what? You're a gang leader now. Go for it. He's like, I don't know what gang leaders do. Do they just growl a lot? Because the entire movie, all I remember is going, on screen. And I'm like, drive real fast. What the hell is he doing? You know, it's just, it was awful to watch. So it was, it was truly a bad movie. And then, but I'm just, I, I just can't, it's his interpretation based on a bad script and he did a bad interpretation. Now, again, if you're comparing him to Ledger, yeah, Ledger is going to blow everybody out of the water because it was phenomenal. Joaquin Phoenix, still, if you want to compare him to Joaquin Phoenix, Joaquin Phoenix, still upper echelon, huh? echelon. Now he's a fan and part of the cult. No, Joaquin Phoenix is still a great actor. He's been nominated for Oscars repeatedly. I mean, he and his brother, River Phoenix, may he rest in peace. Easily. River Phoenix is one of the greatest actors of all time. Guarantee more of his family is going to be involved in it and also excel. So Joaquin is always a great choice whenever you want to put him in a role in a film because he's so good at what he does. But he's a second rate River. Ha. I like that. That's a good one. I'm I'm not going to argue with you <laughs> because I kind of agree, but still he's good. <laughs> he's still good though. He's still a good actor. But the thing is, is that when you look at a film and you listen to music, either or you have to take away one thing. Were you entertained? I am not entertained by Jared Leto. And then when you dive into the person that is associated with it, and things develop and things come out and whether or not there are non-disclosure agreements, the mere fact that there are accusations towards somebody and by multiple people who are in the limelight, like the co-head of DC studios, they can go away because we don't need to see it again because obviously it just, it breaks them down to being a terrible human being because either they have seen it or have bore witness to it in some capacity or are associated with somebody that has been a part of that, that might have been an accuser. You know, it's one thing if I blindly accuse somebody of something that and nothing happened, but if you have that accusation and you're willing enough to be a large, well-known public figure and state it publicly for everyone to see, there has to be a little bit of validity, of, of validity to that. And he is not the only person to accuse Leto of it. So having said that, I'm going to say hell no on 30 seconds to Mars. Jay? Absolutely. 100% agreed. No 30 seconds. Yeah. John, I know you're teeter-tottering, so I'm not going to take your opinion. <laughs> because it sounds like, here's the thing, and I, I'm trying. I'm covering you on this one. Because we don't want it to make it sound like you are defending anybody who has been accused of rape. Okay. <laughs> so we're going to disqualify seconds. <laughs> 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 and he deserves what he got. 
whatever he gets right john it's been wonderful doing this podcast and (laughs) we will treat your replacement just as well i just want you to know that i'm being singled against by the one band from my century (laughs) or in millennia to be fair well i you know what the next episode i i will be fair i you know what that that particular artist came out when i was four so it wasn't anything that I was really well aware of until I was actually a teenager <laughs> because I just never listened to him or anything on the radio. We're not going to go into it, but I mean, there there's of reasons course, behind that. So one quick crazy thing, and I'm not going to spoil anything for next episode because, you know, we got to have people keeping on listening. But our next artist is only four years older than jared leto or oh, yeah, but uh, jared leto had his start in the 90s with acting so he was just a just a yeah i mean actor than he to, to be fair it is something where the the career was a different start and was i think only like four or five years after the next artist so because it was a party of five if i'm not mistaken right that was like the big start for leto oh well, let me go back and that was like 95 maybe 94 or 95 but yeah, because that was, was also uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt, if I'm not mistaken. Like they came out on the same the show. Uh, Fight Club was his first really big movie. Yeah, that but I'm talking TV because he was on TV oh, before TV. that. Yeah. It was either Party of Five yeah, or My So Called Life. One or the other. I don't remember. My So Called Life. So Called Life was yeah. his really big one, but his first show was Camp Wilder in 92. And So Called Life, he was the main character in 94. Yeah, so 94. So, so it's literally a, a three year difference. You know, so, you know, and then there's Requiem for a Dream and, you know, American the best anti drug film you could ever watch. And just oh, not, God, uh, so horrible. but, and not, uh, you know, uh, Hasaguchi. I don't even know what that is. Phenomenal movie. You should just actually watch it as Adam Driver. And I don't watch it for the Jared Leto. He does. Oh, House of Gucci. Movie. I thought you said Hasaguchi. I'm like, what Japanese movie are you talking about in nonsensical form? <laughs> <laughs> I i'm sorry i don't shark speak gucci. that language shark gucci oh i love I you said shark gucci and i was gonna say it's it's charcuterie yeah, i love shark cheeses and meats and sometimes vegetables oh, olives <laughs> yeah adam driver lady gaga phenomenal movie you should watch it so i i do want to mention this uh to wrap up this week's episode um, at the time of recording this, this is uh, the day or a couple days after we found out about the passing of one Mr. Aaron Carter. One thing that I will say is that on the show, we like to take the popular bands, we like to break them down, see whether or not they deserve the hate. The list is very long. I think we're over 130 artists total. So it includes previously recorded and to be recorded. Aaron Carter was not on this list. And there is a reason that Aaron was not on this list, and it's because he actually frequented Jacksonville a lot, where we're all kind of based out of. And he would do acoustic shows, he would do whatever type of shows that he had, as far as his music is concerned. I've had friends that attended his shows and said he was nothing but the nicest guy. And he interacted with fans, and he had full conversations with them, and he was actually a good person to be around and associate with whenever you go to see his show. So, having said that, Unfortunately, he passed away. I don't want to speculate. We all kind of have an idea as far as how he passed and what led to that. He had a dark twist that happened later in life and unfortunately had a very rough time of it, which I believe led to what currently happened. But having said that, what I want people to focus on when they hear about something like this occurring is that it's sad. I don't want it to be a speculation over somebody's death and how they passed away. Take the artist, mourn the artist, and move on. Don't sit there, overthink it, don't try to overcalculate it. Understand that this is a person and a human being that has since passed away. Not just your favorite musical artist or band or anything like that. This is a live human being that is no longer in the live category. So. He was also a huge movement or part of a huge movement in the late 90s with Christina Aguilera, Britney Spears, NSYNC, and his brother's group, Backstreet Boys. He was a huge part of that. I think he started when he was 12, if I'm not mistaken, like 12 or 13 years old. Very young, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, 
you can look at it as child exploitation towards pop. You can look at it as he, you know, was great as a kid and terrible as an adult, but everything that has been said about him by people I know, people I associate with, said he was nothing but one of the kindest people you could ever speak to, so I am not going to speak ill of the dead. I'm going to say thank you, Aaron Carter, for what you presented to everyone. Uh, thank you for your career. Thank you for your contributions. I hope you and your family find peace and comfort knowing that you are no longer suffering. And I'm going to leave it at that. Well spoken. Sorry to leave on a somber note. <laughs> but uh, for everybody that is listening, on behalf of Jay and John, thank you for listening to Parlay Radio. We will see you on the next episode. Parlay Radio is an educational comedic podcast hosted by Jay Bain, John Coleman, and Devin Hughes. All material is used as means of education and critique, protected by fair use and copyright. We don't own the rights to the artist mentioned, but we do have the rights to educate and critique. Intro music and incidental music is provided by Cloudkicker. You can listen to more at cloudkicker.bandcamp.com. Do you have a band you can't stand you'd like to hear more about? You can find Parlay Radio on Instagram or Facebook. Give us a follow, leave a comment, and your band of choice might be featured on a future episode. Thank you for listening.